Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> What's good, Internet? It is February 24th, 2017. I am Austin Walker, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. Joining me, Patrick Klepek. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm not playing Zelda. I am. Already watch this shit. This is it. Uh, uh. Oh, you monster! Did you, just, <laughs> I'm did you break embargo? Right now. Does it? Does the embargo say you're allowed to show us a, 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 a switch on a Skype call? Take take that, Bacoblin. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put this down. Okay. Hi. I'm back from vacation. Well, I'm not. Back. I'm actually on vacation. I was gonna say, yeah, you're um, just kind of taking a break for this. Danielle is off today because she's been holding it down while I've been been out of town for a week. But I'm back in town. I'm in Queens. Uh, you are at home in in Chicago. Yep. Uh, I am playing Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I, I had like a really good vacation, and then I got to come home, and then uh, go, go the on a virtual thing, vacation. Well, like literally, the first thing I did was I got off my plane at JFK. I got my my Lyft driver, and I was like, "You got to take me to the office." <laughs> take me to the switch. Take me to the switch. And I walked into the office at eleven at night, and CL, my boss, was still there because like everybody just puts in hours advice. Um, and she was like, "What the fuck are you doing here? You're not allowed to be here. You're still on vacation. Shouldn't you be in LA?" This was like Wednesday night. Um, I was like, "I just got back in. I'm like stumbling over my words because I'm like so exhausted because I didn't expect to have to talk to anybody. And also because there was like something a little shameful about like I was just I was coming to work at 11 p.m. Like even though you were a man, the editor in chief of a video game website, you were ashamed that you were coming to your office to come pick up a video game console to it take was home. 11 p.m. Because like there's a, like." She could have asked and didn't. Why didn't you just wake up and come in the morning to get it? And the answer was because like it was only 11 p.m. I could still get a couple of Zelda hours <laughs> in before I go to bed. Also, then you know you, you at least do the setup and you're good to go in the morning with your coffee right. when like That's none of that saying. taking a cab to the office That's nonsense. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Like I want to go in. Uh, I have to see people. That's the other thing. Is if you go to an office during office like hours or in the when people then are it's doing an office. Stuff, right. Then I feel like gets like. I promise you, I'll be put in a meeting if I step into <laughs> that office tomorrow on Saturday. Somehow, I'll get into a meeting. So, it's very important to to not to not be at the office during during your vacation. That's my that's my advice to everybody. Instead, what you should do is line up your office or your vacation such that you have a really fun game to play during it. So, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned well, you mentioned line up to like Horizon to Zelda Breath right. of the Wild. Like there are worse that's stretches of, of of video games to have to collide into. Right, like, so the first thing I did when I got on vacation, like, literally the first thing I did was beat Horizon. I'd already started playing it um, last week, I guess, or two weeks ago now. Yeah, I Um, actually finished it this morning. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank Uh, you. We should talk about that, like, at least a little bit, because for me, it really does frame a lot of my feelings about Zelda, which I think we might end up talking about a lot today, because it's a a big one. Um, So what did you think about Horizon? Uh, I, generally speaking, I uh, I really enjoy, like, it... (laughs) Uh huh. 
I'm I'm higher on it than 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 you are, or sure. how how maybe how you landed on it. Um, I part part of what I find impressive about it is maybe my low expectations for what I actually thought Guerrilla Games was going to pull off. Sure. Um, given it was their first time jumping into an open world, that's not exactly an easy thing to do. No, and I think a and lot the- of my the parts of the game I'm disappointed with are are because they were scratching at something even yeah. grander. It's more about missed potential than actually like y'all did this it's wrong. So like you 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 didn't pull it off. You 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 weren't <laughs> capable of pulling it off. Um, it's more that like a lot of what they did had they taken it a little bit further um, or, or or adjusted it by a few degrees. I think it could have been. Like, there's a great foundation here for... I mean, I hate saying this for, yeah, for games that just come out. It's like, it's a great foundation for a sequel, but, like, there is a lot of this that, like, if you took all this, then t- changed a little bit of that and added some of this, mm-hmm. like, oh, like they really had... So, in terms of biting off something very big, I think what they managed to chew was actually pretty impressive to use, like, a really shitty metaphor. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, that's the thing for me is that there, there are lots of things that I think I'm really high on in that game. I think that the world, like, the cultures in that world are really interesting, and I wish we'd gotten more of those things because the taste of all the different, you know, civilizations are really cool. Um, I do think that there's probably a conversation worth having about, like, native appropriation, and I'm really excited for people to tackle that stuff. Uh, especially, but, but I, yeah, especially uh, once you know... Uh, I'm not saying, like, the story yes. of the game changes that, but there is a context to the story of Horizon that, I guess, maybe creates some shades of gray for how you interpret the world yeah. of, of Horizon. Uh, but none of it really, yeah, for for both, in both ways that make that clearer and less clear why they yes. chose the way the, they went. Like, I can tell you why the racial breakdown of that game is the way it is in the fiction, um, but I can't quite tell you why, like, the first tribe that you're, that you meet is, like, a weird amalgamation of Native American, like, tribal, uh, vague caricature, you know, like, yes. I, I, which is, which is frustrating, which is not frustrating, it's like, the thing that that game does really well in its story, in its storytelling, is that it understands that material things in history can impact the way cultures develop, right? Yeah. That, like being near a certain set of minerals can allow a, a culture to develop in such a way because they have access to those resources. Um, or, or then, like, you know, the, the, tri- the tribe that you're associated with, the, the right. Nora, like the fact that they are, were specifically next to this thing called the All Mother, which right. is related this to ma- a lot of other things. Being, yeah, and, this giant yeah. mountain with machinery inside, like is directly responsible for like, like the, the, the matriarchy, the 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 yes. uh, um, the uh, the religious um, right. beliefs that this society has, like and all all that stuff, I works really well and is really interesting. There are some elements that I don't think they commit to enough on that I think could have alleviated some of the concerns people have about totally some of the other stuff you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, totally. But but so so for me, they did that stuff really well, and then also didn't. Managed, the stuff that they did really well was like these cultures are interesting in and of themselves, right? Like yeah. the the all the different major factions, though like some of them barely exist or like show up briefly, and I want to see more about them. But then like there are things in that game that are just like every merchant sells the same stuff after like hour ten, right? Like every <laughs> merchant minus like five special merchants who the, sell they their do one the collectible thing. stuff. Yeah. They do the collectible stuff, right? And 
they all give you like it, it almost makes no sense that like the merchant at the the merchant at the big city would sell you the equipment that the evil faction the bad guys use throughout the entire game that's the best top level stuff but like and i'm not just like okay that's there's not enough stuff it's that though that's a vector of storytelling also right like when i go into a village in the witcher and a dude has like oh, this is the one cool sword he's had for generations and I can buy it from him or I can do a quest to get it from him. That tells me something about him and that story or in that setting. Um, or if I go to a, a different village where it's like, this guy's supposed to be a, a, a food merchant, but he, all he sells is like food and uh, like a little bit of food and then a lot of um, Gwent cards. It's like, okay, I <laughs> right. fucking see three. I see right through you. Like you were just a Gwent addict, man. Like, or, or if totally. you just like the way which are, you know, like certain merchants are clearly rich and so you can sell more right. things to them totally. Um, totally. and certain merchants are poor and so you're not going to be able to offload your expensive armor on them to right. you know that's like it's little things like that that tell stories about the merchants um yes. and the world that they're contextualizing the city that they're in that yes. horizon doesn't uh, so i think there's a way i think i think what they did was to be the most uh expedient thing for the gameplay which is like mm. look anything you want is going to be at every Get merchant it. you find and yes. like there i think there's an a clearly an argument to be made yes. for what, why that is better from a gameplay perspective but then there's a way to like have just generic tile of stuff that every merchant will have and then find ways to shade yes. uh, that with things that are specific to those merchants that reflect their society and their culture because the game really does go out of its way to tr like the culture of its world is extremely important to it like yes. it's it is something they thought deeply about and I think that's when I talk about like the missed potential is like the opportunity for that additional layers of storytelling and in ways of telling those stories because th this game I think the thing that bothered me the most about it is uh, is is its exposition dumps yes. um, or exposition caves as I would call them I mean there are there are literally sequences in this game where uh, you will be dropped into a room and there'll be six little voice things that you my can dude listen to. it's the first experience of the game it is the game it opens it's like if bio. This is this is. I was talking to my friend Jack DeKeat about this, who who writes for us as a columnist every week or every other week, um, and he said like, "What if Bioshock opened up by you get seven audio logs, <laughs> and like that's what they this what that's what this game does, and then every exposition dump is that again, and the, the stuff. Like there's the every logs, every like there are specific moments in the game where it's like it's exposition time, like it is just clear you're going into mm -hmm. a, literally a cave every time that are to exposition caves, and you're going to find logs. Yep. Other stuff. Uh, yep. I'm trying to, you know, be vague because the game is, is still not out yet. But it's uh, and what frustrates me about it is because the stories that are being told, I think, are really interesting. Yeah. And like the what they're telling about the larger fiction of Horizon um, is, I, I found like if I was to tell it to you, you'd go, "Holy shit, that's like really fascinating and complicated." Yeah. And it is. But like in the moment when I've spent literally 25 minutes in the same room, just moving my cursor to the next audio log and the reason I yes you can walk around while you listen to an audio log but if you happen to walk to like the next room and then like your character starts talking or is talking to another character that dialogue will layer on top of the yep. audio log that you're listening to Thanks so uh, in, so instead you are stuck in these caves listening to fascinating exposition but also wondering lord there has to be a better way to do this there has to be there's got to be a better way um well and so 
I think the things that we're talking about are, for me, emblematic of my beef with Horizon in general. I think there's, again, there are things I really like about Horizon. And if you want to hear, like, my full breakdown or read my full breakdown, we have, we each have a take, basically, on the site, right? We each basically wrote a letter to each other saying, here's what works for me and here's what didn't. Um, so you can definitely check those out. But but for me, like, that's the thing that ended up feeling, the thing that, that I left Horizon feeling was, like, this game is... And I use this analogy for you with you earlier this week. It's very digital in the sense that, like, it had it is it is designed so that your play experience is is a set of of discrete moments um, where, like, climbing the walls means you climb on the specific points in the walls. Getting exposition means you're in a discrete exposition zone. Even finding enemies, which which should feel big and organic, and like the thing that I really wanted from that was. Enemies attacking other enemies and a fight with a weird robot dinosaur to, to fall into a fight with some enemy, like some humanoid enemies and like the sort of Far Cry thing of just like weird organic, like almost like a blanket of activity that's like it's, being flapped around. It's incredibly rare that you actually find the world sy- systemically yeah, interacting systemically with one exactly. another. Like the, on, the only times that uh, in, in the whatever 20, 25 hours that I played through the game um, that I found moments where you got that, where it's like it felt organic were yes. clearly structured events where they were scripting not explicitly scripting but they had you were meant to stumble upon something that gave the illusion yes. of a world that was organically interacting with one another when in actually what they've set up are very discrete zones with discrete creatures and the only time that those are ever going to cross paths are Scripted when the moments. game has scripted that yeah. or made it an event. Um, well, like, once in, in a, like, I think maybe once in all of my 31 hours of playing it did I happen to see um, some humanoid enemies, like, hunting, or humanoid, it was just NPCs, hunting yeah. a, a gazelle or something. And it's like, y'all have cities. How did... You should be doing stuff in this environment. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, I mean, there was, you a, there was like get the, here. Yeah, and it like so it becomes where these moments where it does happen are really cool, and you wish there were more of them. Like there was a, there was an instance in which I was fighting, um, you know, some of these sort of uh, end gameish uh, uh, enemies, which you can find just randomly in the yep. environment or in their zones, um, are enormous. Like they're yeah, they're just they're massive and. Uh, I stumbled upon one, and he though the one was already a problem enough for me, and then a second one appeared, and I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to pull this off, and I'm sitting there just behind a tree, uh, just outside of like where they could kind of like make it over to me. It was a, one of these creatures that kind of goes in and outside yeah, yeah. of the, the ground. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool and interesting kind of fight. Um, so I was just kind of just being a dick and just picking them off from a distance. And then a set of soldiers just happened to be walking by and joined right. in, and That's they awesome. proved the distraction that allowed me to start, like, f- uh, you know, picking specific arrow types to, like, tra- taking like, off, like, yeah. chunks of this armor and, like, really start... And I was like, we were able to eventually tear down these uh, these creatures and win the fight. And I was like, man, like, this is awesome. Like, dude, this Do is what this I wanted more. way yes. more of. Or, um, and I think it speaks to this idea of missed potential where it's like, I, I really like Horizon. There's a lot of things I like about it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a game that I think a lot of people should play and right. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. But it's also frustrating to see it, like, just, like, walk up to a wall and just, like, not get to the other side of that door when it's like, gosh, there is so much potential in what you've set up and you just didn't quite get all the I way there. I think you're being literal because there are lots of times where it's like, <laughs> I can I could hop over this. Aloy is, like, a super, like, uh, navigator. She, she could do whatever she wants. She can't hop over this little curb for real, for real game, for real. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, you know, this is one of those situations where I'm glad I don't have to give a game a score for completely cowardly reasons, which is, like, I think this is super middle of the road for me, but I also think 
that lots of people are going to have a great time with it. Because yeah, I, like, I really did have a great time for me with as a it. critic. Yeah. Is that like I think the majority of people are going to play that game and like love every not every moment of it, but a lot of it. But I, I just like like rainwater while wearing a like a, a fucking treated thing, like just right off of me, um, just like nothing. And there's no impact there the way I wanted to. Outside of a few key story things and some story ideas, um, and and I think a couple of really big moments. There's a moment at the end of the game that is definitely going to be like moment of the year for me or near it depending on how you deal with a certain a certain character and it's just like oh that was fucking choice because Aloy is dope I think Aloy is like a pretty dope character um as in the main plot anyway I think the side stuff not so great anyway let me get back to the the analogy I was trying to make the analogy uh is that I was saying that that Horizon Zero Dawn which we just talked about is very digital because I've now put a dozen hours or, or so, maybe 15, into Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I think is very analog. And this is a, a weak analogy. Like, this is not going to hold up completely. But, like, <laughs> think about the difference between those two games is in Horizon, you have to look at something that's yellow to climb it. You have to find something in the environment that's been scripted to be climbable. And often there is a five-minute sequence of you climbing something. Um, in Zelda, you can climb basically anything, and it just has a stamina meter. And it's about finding your own route on that cliff face that lets you successfully climb. And obviously there's still like, oh, this is a place where you can do a handhold or this is a place where you, or not a handhold, this is a place where you can like rest and recover your stamina or whatever. Like I'm not saying that it's, a, a, you know, do whatever you want. That's not what, that's not what any game is ever. Um, but that feeling of like, oh, I bet I could do this and then doing it is how Zelda Breath of the Wild has felt for me. It's been every impulse of exploration has been rewarded with uh, with something like a treasure chest or a little puzzle or a beautiful vista or a, a weapon or a fight. Like, anytime I go, I wonder if I can do X, I do it, and then something cool happens. And that is, like, it's scratching all the itches right now. I'm going to do my best not to be, like, too glowing about this because I'm still only 12 hours in. And there's, like, and I, you basically can't talk about, like, any yeah, specifics I, about the game. <laughs> I fucking, I'm not going to show this, but I'm going to reread my embargo really quick. Which is basically, okay. you can say you've played it, and if you've enjoyed it, and that's, okay. that's about yep. it. Uh-huh, can't say, okay. Oh, boy. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, I can still say a lot. So, Wait, let's, really Hold like, on, let's step back, let's step okay. back a second. I yeah, want to ask you, what, ask me a question. what is your your thoughts on the Zelda series? Where, do you, where, where are your highs? Where are your lows? Um, like, where do you end up the last at this game, game in the canon of, of Zelda? Okay, so the last Zelda game I actually beat was probably Majora's Mask. Um, N64 or 3DS? N64. I never picked it up on 3DS. I should. I like Majora's Mask a lot. Um, Or, you know what, I probably beat, re-beat Ocarina since then once, you know, like in college or something. Um, I barely played Wind Waker. I didn't have a GameCube when it came out. Mm -hmm. I have it on Wii U, but just never found the time to sit down and play Wind Waker again. I think it's gorgeous and really love all the time I put into it, but just never finished it. Um, I bounced right off of Twilight Princess when it came out. Yeah, as you should have, because that game um, has the most atrocious intro to every (laughs) Zelda game ever made. It's really fucking bad. It's really bad. And I would have rather... There was, like, so many other things that I wanted to play on the the Wii U or the Wii at the time. Yeah. Just because there was a novelty factor there. And I was like, I don't really want to play another... I don't want to play, like, a dark, brooding Zelda game where I'm stuck as this fucking wolf. Like, it's just not what I want to do. And then I didn't play Skyward Sword at all because 
I remember watching the quick look of it with you in it yeah. and being like, this game has a look, and I bet you there's some cool stuff here, but like, you are also telling me that the, the end game is miserable, <laughs> and I'm just not going to put that many hours into this thing. Yeah, Skyward Sword was a, uh, tw- like a, a really good 15 to 20 hour game wrapped in a 30 to 35 hour game that just, um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to think if there's any other Zelda games that I have played since then. I, I don't think I ever played Phantom Hourglass, which I hear was great. Um, I didn't play I any. I didn't play any of the Spirit DS tracks. ones. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even play Link Between Worlds, which is the one I most wanted to play because I hear it's fantastic. Good the, game. Uh, a little overrated, game. but good game. Okay, well, so that's that's where my like and my heart is probably with. <laughs> It's probably Ocarina, but like Majora's Mask is really fucking good. It's yeah, it really is. cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it's and the so Zelda that's, game. But but so that's that's like my Zelda setup. I, I okay. will also say that like I am interested in it as a franchise because we don't have many franchises in the world of games that have such a deep canon of mechanics that move from game to game and from platform to platform, right? That like the say what you will about Skyward Sword, but like you can draw a direct mechanical line from the Legend of Zelda to it and like, okay, here's how they're still redoing those same mechanics. And that's interesting to me conceptually. Um I think this is really high for me. I haven't I'm again I haven't beaten it. Uh but it is so when I played when I played Zelda Ocarina of Time, that was like the end of me liking platformers. Which is a weird thing to say because it's not a plat because it's not a platformer. But I'd played Mario sixty four and I enjoyed Mario sixty four. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. And then I played Ocarina of Time and I was like, oh, I'm never playing a game that isn't about adventure and like <laughs> fighting things. And man, why would I ever do it? And this is Breath of the Wild has a very similar effect in that it feels like I'm being rewarded in ways that other games are just like. A thing I, I do because it's my own enjoyment. Like in in Far Cry Two, if I climb a a, a thing and find you know a, a mountain and then get into a gunfight, like I'm doing it because I really love it. But here, the world has been created such that like doing those things is built to be to, is also in the game going to reward me with something really cool, even if it's just like a cool sword I can use for the next hour or whatever. Um, and that is like a huge difference for what I've found from most open world games. Like it feels like a third way for open world games. Like if there's like the Witcher style, you know, story heavy, every handwritten dialogue from every cat for every character that's voiced. And then there's like the Ubisoft huge collectible model. And then there's like the Bioware also kind of story heavy dialogue focused thing. This feels like this other thing where like it is bringing in elements from exploration games in a way that I really enjoy, but that I hadn't seen in this sort of open world space outside of like you know, like it's like very Minecrafty in that sense of just like I really want to know what's over the next hill or something like that. You know, like I really want to see more shit. I want to get stuff. Can't, this is like a super basic question. I have not. Sure. Um, I've seen very little of the game. I think you know I have not played mm-hmm. it before. Um, but I think one of the things that I never got a sense of in people's write ups in the past or the footage I saw, like, can you talk at all about like the structure of yeah. how this? Because I think that like. That it's like yeah okay it's an open world it's like yeah. all right like what is that like what am I doing so like playing this game and playing Horizon 
back to back have like reminded me or have made me realize, and I, I kind of started talking about this on Twitter the other day, that we should stop talking about open world as a genre. Like I really start, so when I was playing Horizon, I had this feeling early on. I was like, oh no, I think I have it. I have the open world fatigue everyone always tells me about. <laughs> um, and I'm the open world guy. I'm the guy who whenever anybody says, I have open world fatigue, I go, I don't. Like fucking feed me more. Uh, and in retrospect, playing these two games back to back have made me realize that maybe what I mean, maybe what we need to do when we say we have open world fatigue is zoom in a little bit and say the maybe harder thing, which is this game isn't good or this game is doing open worlds poorly. It's not like saying I have RPG fatigue. It's like saying like most of the time it's like, oh, the the itemization is bad or the UI is bad right. or the pacing is wrong. Like if we can zoom in a little bit closer, there's a specific problem. Because I went from Horizon, this game that made me think I had open world fatigue, to Breath of the Wild, which has a completely different structure in that it is, or maybe it's not, it's not even a completely different structure. That's the thing. It's like it's a similar enough structure, but that it executes on it in a way that I'm, I just want to play it right now. Like it's all I want to do is shut up. Shut up, Patrick. I'm going to go play Breath of the Wild. Um, structure is that it seems, it seems like a little bit of uh like horizon is very much uh everything is being marked on a map and then you're headed towards a waypoint and it's not you're not really going to discover very much along the way it's more about like kind of i mean you you can you but it can, seems like but not breath really of the, not really and it seems like breath of the wild is at least the what you're saying is very much more you're going to get a lot of you get, you're going to be distracted along the way here's how the game opens up the game opens up which is has, was seen in E3 and at the Switch presser and again and again and again those first like 20 minutes on the Hyrule great Pla- the great plateau of Hyrule you come out of this cave you're resurrected you or whatever you're in the resurrection shrine you come out you go out you see this huge open world you take a few steps you hear a voice that says hey come help save me it's you know it's it's help me link your good motivation good motivation uh, and you meet this dude who's like, oh, word, like, too bad you can't go help anybody because you're stuck on this plateau and there's no way down safely for you. But I'll hook you up with this paraglider if you, which is like this hang glider mm-hmm. that you can just pop out whenever you want, um, just call style, if you go and complete these four shrines. And so that's like the opening thing. It's just like you're in this little mini open world at the top of this plateau <laughs> and you can... Uh, go do these four shrines, and once you do those four shrines, then you can come back and and I'll give you the paraglider, which then opens the world up to you, basically. And that's the structure in another sort of way, too, in that on your way to go get the shrines, like, oh, maybe you'll find a camp of bacoblins, and if you defeat them, a chest a chest will open up for you to go get a cool reward, or maybe you'll find, and this is like one of my favorite things, I'm going to invent a puzzle for you really quick, just so that I'm mm-hmm. not giving the solution to a real sure. one. Yeah. Um, let's say that there are, you come across a space that has like six rocks or it has like six like uh, spots and there, it's like rock, 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 space, rock. And then across from it, there are six flowers. You wouldn't just like see that in the world at some point. And you're like, wait a second, that's, that looks like someone, that's, and you go over and you pull the fifth flower out that matches with the fifth rock, mm-hmm. and it goes like, do, 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 and then you get a thing. And the world is filled with puzzles like that. It's one of the things that whenever you're like, I wonder if I could climb up there, that looks like a cool sp- spot, you go and do that. And then it has like an environmental puzzle from the witness, basically, right? It's just like, were <laughs> you paying attention? It's again and again and again. It's one of my favorite things about the game is just like, it encourages you to look at the environment around you, and the environment is gorgeous. So, like, I'm just constantly looking for something to be off a little bit, or to look handmade, or look for a place where I can throw a rock, or light a torch, or whatever. And those are everywhere. So that's really cool. Um, or you know, so it's, you fight fight some enemies, solve a puzzle that's in the world. Um, you know, 
collect some ore. There's stuff scattered in between those four shrines. And so you end up going off and doing those side things. And then you go to the shrine and you do the shrine. And guess what? I don't know how we didn't fucking figure this shit out. Like, Nintendo... Everyone was like, including me, like, I don't know about these shrines. What I like is dungeons. Because that's what we've been trained to like. Right. Except... That like when you when you stop thinking about it in terms of just Zelda and you realize what the shrines are, which is there most of them. There's some that are like combat focused, but most of them are physics driven uh, puzzles that let you use the abilities that they've already shown off. Things like bombs and the stasis thing and the magnet thing, um, and you use those to solve puzzles. They're all physics driven, and it's like <laughs> someone told Nintendo they were allowed to make portal levels, and it's great. Like every one of those so far has been. Something that I go like, aha, I get you. I, mm, I flip this upside down. Clever, right? And of course Nintendo can make really good little puzzle rooms. Like, that's they're exactly that sort of design house. Go play Box Boy. Right. Lots go of play puzzle Box rooms Boy. in Box go Boy. Go play Captain Toad. Go, like, they make good puzzle games. Yeah, where's Captain Toad too? Come on. It's, it's here. It's in Breath of the Wild. It's the shrines. <laughs> that, that, that's true. And then, all right, like, Mario Odyssey, you are no longer Game of the Year. <laughs> Captain that's Toad what I 2. Mean. So like that's 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 so so those are the sorts of things that are at the shrines, and then there are big story things which I, I can't get into in any way that I'm pretty interested in. I'm pretty interested in how they're unfolding the story. I'm curious. Are you? Because I that's a obviously you can't say, but like the, I can't say anything lo- about it. Mm, I'm yeah. very curious to see how it will be received. There's a there's a they talked to Game Informer uh, Al Numa. There's a told, yeah, he he claims there's a trick. There's a trick. Eh. Are you aware of the trick? Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty obvious trick. Okay, all right. They make the trick very obvious. The trick is attached to something that's really cool that I can't talk about yet. Okay. Which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's another there's another. You're thing sent to really the world cool. from Majora's Mask, and then it's actually secretly yep, rest of the wild. It's Majora's Mask 2. That's it. So, I knew it. I don't know. So, like, I'm going to throw another comparison out. So, yeah. Far Cry 2, I already compared it to. Mm. Um, you you can only use Far Cry 2... Once per podcast episode. Once you've used the comparison to Far Cry 2, you've got to find something right, else. Far Cry 4. Um, <laughs> so it's like Far Cry 4 in this way. Uh, I sent you a video yesterday, Patrick, where I was like, dude, you have to fucking see. This is, I said, what did I say? I said, like, if you want to know what type of game Zelda Breath of the Wild is, it's this. And this mm-hmm. is in my, one of my favorite things I've done so far is I was low on health and like didn't have any healing items. And there was an, I was trying to get across this thing that was like next to a river. There's a river running. And I was trying to walk down the side of it to get to a location. And the in front of me was a Bacoblin camp uh, that included a blue Bacoblin, which in the early game is one of the hardest enemies that you can fight. And enemies are actually tough in this. Like, the combat's actually, like, I get killed pretty often. Like, compared to Horizon, hmm. where I think I died three or four times in the whole game, I'd, I'll die three times yeah, in Zelda games hours. are not usually about dying in the no. last 15 years. There's really great checkpointing. Um, like, they'll just checkpoint you as soon, like, right outside the camp that you're at. Right. Which is great. But you still have to be careful save- about combat. Totally, because hmm. enemies don't do the Batman thing of just like, all right, we're going to take turns at fighting you. They're like, no, we're going to kill you? Is this <laughs> what we're going to fucking do? Actually? Uh, so, like, you better keep your distance, or you better have a weapon that's long to keep us at range, or you better, like, that stuff all feels good. But, but so in this case, I was like, I don't want to fucking fight these guys. Like, they're going to kill me. And I realized I was standing next to a big metal rock. And so I grabbed the rock with my magnet thing, and I lifted it way up in the air and, like, walked over behind a, uh, 
a little hillock and like held it over them. I was like, ah, it's just not the right angle. So I moved, I realized, oh, there's a little, there's a little, up to my left, there's a little um, ridge on the side of the cliff. I'll put the rock up there. And I did that. And I climbed up the rock or up the side of the cliff onto that little like ridge, picked up the, the big rock again with my magnet powers, walked over and then just like fucking dropped it right on this explosive barrel that was at the back of their camp. And the whole thing exploded. And it was like, I'm the best Zelda ever. It's me. <laughs> me, Link, the best Zelda ever. Um, and that's like, that sort of allowed... A lot of tiny, sort of, like, story, like, person, like... Yes. Most Zelda games are not about the story uh, you tell on your adventure. Not it's a, the story oh. that is being told to you and the adventure you're being prescripted on. Exactly. And it sounds like, you know, if anything, like, especially the type of open world games you seem to be attracted to, it's, it's where, it's like the story, the, the quote-unquote plot is is you know maybe it's good maybe it's not good it's sort of irrelevant there's stuff um, i want to talk to you about the plot so bad but that's that the, this, like, but like there's plot me. plot and yes. like the, the the player story are like different things and it sounds yes. like in previous totally. zelda games there was not much of a player story um and it seems right. like in, in breath of the wild like the the promise of open world of a take that as like a general conceit is the opportunity for player stories which like i think horizon zero dawn doesn't do a very good job of Correct. allowing for player stories. Doesn't make it a bad game. It's just if you're looking for that out of your open you're world, just not gonna get it. realize right, exactly. that's just not we, what it's going for. Whereas Breath the of the Wild seems like fights, it's into it. Even the coolest fights in Horizon Breath of the Wild or Horizon Breath of the Wild, Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn. I wish, I wish Horizon was more like Zelda. Like I really do. But uh, if if my, the coolest fights for Horizon for me were the big super enemies that you described earlier, because they did push me to like make sure I used all my traps and stuff like that. But even yeah. then they mostly came down to the same thing, which is like, I'm going to use the tear arrows to tear off their armor or to tear off components. I'm going to pick up one of those components and shoot it back at them. There were, uh, well, I wish, some of my favorite, uh, there are these, uh, I don't know, I'm not getting into what they are, but they're like sort yeah. of like these, like sort of one-off dungeons that in uh, yes. Horizon in which when you complete them, it expands your ability to take control of the different beasts. Um, and at the end of each of those uh, dungeons is... Uh, th there is always uh, a sort of like high level creature that is captured inside of a bubble. Um, and then you have to, you know, interact with a node that unleashes them. But and you trigger the beginning of the fight. And they were some of my favorite fights in the game because you almost were assuredly going to fight something that was a little more difficult than yeah. what you were used to. And you had a moment to sort of think about what you wanted to do in the fight. And those are the fights where I would get creative. Yeah. I would break out of the mold of how I was playing where I would set up those traps that you're... Um, there are traps that you can lay down that are like fire and shock and some that are just bombs that explode. There are other traps where you are shooting these arrows into the ground mm -hmm. and then it creates sort of like a, a, a fire barrier or a shock barrier. Um, and what, what I, like I would do in those sequences was, you know, the, the creature is trapped in the center and then there are these little barriers that you can hide around, but there are gaps in between those barriers. And so before the fight would start, right. I would set up, you know, like, sh you know, these shock traps like in each of those sections. And I got to be creative in fighting in a way that the game didn't necessarily always encourage moment to moment. And I found those to be really exhilarating because... I had an opportunity to breathe and try something different, whereas uh, the combat in Horizon doesn't necessarily push you to be creative, which doesn't mean right. that you can't be creative, right? Like, there, I think there will be there will be people that are going to play this game and go, "What are you talking about?" Totally. I approached every fight totally differently, and, and I commend I commend them for making a game that isn't another cover shooter. Like, I think that Guerrilla did a good job of being like, "Okay, we're not going to make a first person shooter. We're not going to make a cover shooter. We're going to do. We need there to be a, a new, interesting way for pe for players to express themselves in combat." And they looked towards things like Monster Hunter to help them do that. And I think yeah. that that mostly works. I just wish there was 
more variety in in how you needed to be. To, see, that's the thing. That's to, see, that's to, the thing. Like, I know how I play games, which is that I will become habitual, yep. and I I appreciate when games force me out of my comfort zone through the design. And so, what Horizon doesn't do, Horizon gives you lots of options on how to approach combat. Like, it is not lacking in approaches to combat it is lacking in forcing you to change your approach to meet the situation like there are precious few situations where you have like they're gonna say you can no longer do that thing that you've been doing for 10 hours you're gonna have to figure out a different way to do it and most of the time you can just do that thing you've done for 10 hours and the only reason you're not gonna do that is because maybe you're bored of it maybe you wanna try something different Um, and I appreciate when games say we are going to force you to do something different so that was like my problem with I'm I'm also an outlier in that I'm not a big fan of Red Faction Guerrilla which I think is has again I was like man this is a great foundation I love how you can t- tear everything apart, but in that game, by the end, it was just, I used the arc cannon to take over a tank every time because it was easy and repeatable, and the other stuff was rewarding, but not that rewarding for me, um, and so, like, I, and again, I know I'm an outlier on that game. I know people fucking love Red Faction Guerrilla, and I defend your right to love it, um, <laughs> but but the, there's so one solution is push me to do better and to do diff- different things. Guerrilla, Red Faction Guerrilla did that with its trials. Uh, Horizon does that too. It's like, okay, now you have to use these tools. You in, in Red Faction Guerrilla, it was like, you have to use a sledgehammer to take down this building. You can't use the gun that just disintegrates things. You can't use any bombs, or you can only use 12 sticky bombs to take down these three buildings. In Horizon, it's like, okay, you have to use the you have to use the traps to get 12 of the weird antelope. Or there, there's, antelope there's one of the trials where it's like, oh, like there's a, a group of enemies that are yes. in an area, and you have to use your uh, arrows to destroy environmental traps to like yes. get these rocks to fall on them. You totally. never, never at any point do anything remotely similar to that it's, in the main game. They're, they're, it's not because uh, we chose not to. It's because they don't, as far as I know, maybe I could be proven wrong, uh, they don't exist in the main game. And actually those trials ended up being kind of frustrating because you'd see, wow, there's so yes. much more they can explore they with these mechanics do. that just didn't make it into the, the world itself and instead are confined to these little challenges that are really cool, but also end up kind of spoiling you for uh, what, what you actually are asked or capable of doing in the main game. Right, totally. So one solution is push me there. The other, or, and and give me excuses to be as hard to be like as creative as I can be. Be difficult. Be challenging. Be surprising. The other solution is let expressivity be makes expressivity and and variation in my combat or in my whatever my core mechanic is be so fun that I want to fucking do it anyway. Right. And that's where the Far Cry series, Mafia 3, uh, Dragon's Dogma, all of that all of those games that I love are like not that different in that there is an optimal way forward. Of course there is, but they succeed because they make fucking around so fun that I'd rather fuck around than be optimal. Or it's sort of or Hitman, exactly, exactly like that. Or even like an MMO that makes it so that I think I'd rather wear worse armor because it looks cooler, right? Like, right. That's what that is. Is like that's the that falls into the same gap for me. It's like any time that a game is is convincing me not to play optimally because of X, Y, or Z, that's a good game for me. That's a game I that fits. Do for that me. in Dark Souls all the time. Where it's all once the time. I find once I found the armor that makes me feel. Like I look like a weirdo, and I'm I'm embracing it. It's like okay, that's just this the armor. I realize I character. get stuff that will definitely help me in this boss battle. Yep. But I do not give a shit because I'm I like sticking with whatever I look like. This robe looks ridiculous. I love yes. it. Exactly. Totally like that. Um, or Dark Souls is the same way with weapons, right? Where it's like 
yeah, I, I know I can read the guides. I can see that, that this sword is not the best sword in the game. What's the like, sword from Dark Souls 1 that you could exploit? for like the Drake, half the, Drake the game, sword. the Drake sword. Yeah, yeah. but like, no, I'm not going to fuck around with like, it. It's not fun. The, the game's not, not fun with totally. the Drake sword. <laughs> or like the, the other thing, I'm just like, I got this Iron Knight sword. I love it. I, I love it. I know it. It's mine. I've been using it. I want this to be the weapon I kill the last boss with. Fuck, yeah, I, yeah of course I also have the on Orlando great spear or whatever the fuck, you know, like I did, yeah, I did that when I great. played Dark Souls 1 where I had the hand axe from the beginning of the game right. that you can... I just refused to give it up. People were like, mm-hmm. dude, you have like way better weapons. And I was like, nah, this hand axe has been this with me since day one. I eventually got off it like three fourths <laughs> of the game, but I, but I stuck with it for like totally. 20, 25 hours. Cause I was just like, this hand axe has been, this hand axe has seen some shit. Right. I'm not going to give, in what world would you give that up? Like, until Dark Souls gets played, like, gets home crafting and I can craft a, a mantle to place the glorious yeah, yeah, hand yeah, axe if I, Yeah, if I had a shelter, I could give that hand axe a home. it. Yeah, if I could retire This hand axe and- killed ONS. Right. It's fine. We can put the hand axe away. Killing ONS with a hand axe should level it up innately. <laughs> it should gain their power. Um, so, I, so I wonder if uh, Breath of the Wild, does that push you in that direction to yes. improvise? And also, not, not only because of the environmental and sort of like world design, but also because uh, from what I've read, from what you said, you're constantly, you don't have permanent equipment yet, especially when it comes to the weapon side. You're constantly right. sort of cycling I through think- like shitty swords basically right. for and armor other things. pants shirts and like head pieces i think are permanent those don't seem to take damage and break because you d- would die before that i don't know like you don't lose a shirt um, okay but you, you can take lose, it off you do take it off you can take it off and you get apparently the characters will i saw a tweet go around that said nintendo is finally horny which come oh, on if you played fire if you played fire emblem then True. nintendo already was but uh, I guess the characters will remark on the fact that you have you have your shirt okay. taken off and ask you to please put it back on. <laughs> I'm only allowed to, to talk about the first five hours of my play, and I think uh-huh. this falls within it. All okay. I'm going to say is Lonely Archer Girl. Uh, okay. That's all I want to say. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all I want to say. Okay. Tweets coming next week or the week <laughs> after. Um, this game is this game's a little... This game has... We'll mm-hmm. talk about it in the future. Okay, yeah. Um, we got we got some time. We but, got lots of time to talk yes. about Zelda in the week's ahead. Uh, yeah, it's true. I'm going to need a lot because it's a big game, apparently. Like, it's a huge world. I've put, again, 12 to 15 hours into it. it but in which you can, sprint, you can sprint to the final dungeon from the beginning, apparently. I, I, I really want to see what that looks like. I'm curious to see about, about speedruns. Someone this. will do that, of course, in the first day. Uh, day one, yeah. Thirst of the Wild, says uh, Jean-Paul <laughs> Blart. Very good. Thirst of the All Wild. Right. Well, th- thank you for naming the episode title. Um, for this week, Thirst of the Wild is is what we're going with. But so um, how often are you losing your weapons? Then, like, how does that change often, the dynamics right. of so, combat? So there are the thing that's really cool for me is so you get a range of weapons. Fucking, I, this is for real. Uh-huh. You're gonna check I, see what weapons you can talk about. I literally am. <laughs> All right. So in the early game, for instance, you know, I might have a tree branch or a yep. traveler's sword, okay. right? And the traveler's sword is like one of the first ones you get, and. Uh, it's like pretty low damage and it breaks pretty easily, but you might find. What does that mean? Them. Breaks pretty easy, like 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 a fight, two fights, a you're gonna have for fights, an hour, a couple of fights, not even okay. no, definitely not an hour. Like combat feels when you engage in combat, you're committing to something breaking uh, mm-hmm. in the early game, but you're also committing to like okay, I'm gonna kill that Bacala and get its club, which is at least as good as my starter sword, okay. um, and get its shield, which might be better than my starter shield. And in general, I always leave combat better equipped than I came into it. It's just that there's this dip in the middle where I'm worse equipped because 
I've broken a sword or a shield, at least again in the first few hours of the game. Um, but then the other thing that happens is like, let's say I've found a iron <laughs> sledgehammer. People can't, I wish, you know, people will listen to the podcast version yeah. of this, but I, I hope, you know, every time his, his, he kind of drifts off mic a little bit, he's referring to his stack, his embargo sheet to see which terms he's allowed to say. Soldier's sword. So like, so yeah, let's say I have a soldier's sword, which is going to be much better than the traveler's sword or one of the Bacoblin clubs. Uh-huh. I end up saving that. I end up doing the thing that like. It's like us. It's it's the it hits the right zone for me in that like okay I'm gonna save this for like a real fight that it, it, you don't do the JRPG thing that I always do which is like I need 99 ethers just in case I'm never <laughs> gonna use an ether I'm never gonna use a potion I got to Resident Evil I got to the end of Resident Evil Seven with like a bajillion bullets and right, I was like well should have used those bullets before <laughs> right so the um. This I do save things, but I'm but you're gonna be pushed to pull it out. You know what I mean? Like you're there's a push come to shove. It's time to break out that soldier sword. It's time to break out that like extra big club or that sledgehammer. Because you're fighting something that is pushing you that hard. Because you're fighting a a bigger enemy, or you're you're you there's more of them than you thought there would be, or because in the middle of fighting enemy one you what you push them too far and you bounce into another group of enemies and now they're all swarming you or you fucked up and you shot an arrow out at a thing and instead of hitting it you hit a, a boar behind it that's now charging at you um i saw bacoplins hunting boars the other day and it was like the coolest shit and i was like all right yeah i'm in like give me that systemic interaction baby like let's go does um do, do the various weapon types that you've encountered so far like meaningfully change like how you, I mean, like again, not to bring everything back to Dark Souls, but like the difference between like a sword and an axe is like very different for how you approach combat. Like, how far does Breath of the Wild go down um, in terms of? Uh, yes, the, the the weapon types definitely are differentiated, right? So, like for instance, the sledgehammer is one of the things it does really well is it breaks up ore, so you can. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Go and collect ore without having to use a bomb or without breaking another weapon. Axes cut down trees, but they also have just different weapons, like move sets. So, like axes or claymores, big. Can, <laughs> there's no claymores in this game. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any. Big weapons have like big swipes, um, whereas there's like a sword and shield for for other stuff. Even. Mm-hmm. There is a boomerang that is a melee weapon, but you can but you can use the thing your trick to throw it as if you're throwing a weapon. Like normally, when a weapon's about to break, the thing to do is throw it at somebody because thrown weapons do double damage uh, when they hit and then, then okay. they break. So like a boomerang, you can throw it as if it's a as if it's a melee weapon you're throwing, and then it loops back around and, ca- and you can catch it, and that's really fun and cool. So there are pretty distinct things on those on the weapons on top of just stats, and then there are special weapons that you get from doing 
uh, from doing things in the environment or for doing things in like for completing side quests, basically. Things that are permanent or just like more powerful, more powerful temporary swords? More powerful that I hold on to for hours until I'm fighting a really big thing. Ah, so the kind of thing that you'll like save for a boss. It's like, all right, time to, to bring this bad boy out. Totally. Does, um, does, does uh, weapon degradation carry over if you, like let's say you're fighting some sort of large creature or yeah. a, a scrum of goblins uh, and you die. Like, and if, like, does, what happens to your stuff? When you I think die, it, it check you checkpointed right before the fight, so you just okay. go back to that checkpoint. Okay. I know that because I got into a trial combat dungeon, um, in which I was fighting a really hard enemy, and you keep all the stuff because I died a bunch of times okay. trying to gotcha. beat it. I was like, okay, well, here's what I have, and that's the other thing about this game is it does scratch. You know, I, I've always I always wanted to get into the Monster Hunters series, and I up until Same. Witcher three, I'd always wanted to get into Witcher. Um, because I love the notion of preparing for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game makes that a core thing in that one, you want to have your items unlocked. You want to make sure you have enough arrows. You want to make sure you have the right weapons, the right armor on. Um, and because of the way the environmental stuff, uh, factors into the game, things like it being cold, being a real thing that affects you as you play. Um, does that like cold makes like your stamina meter go down? Faster, no, cold will right? fucking no. they'll fucking freeze to death. My oh, dude. okay, yeah, that's, um, that's worse. Uh, it's worse. It's bad. And well, so, I think it's, I think I saw it's, I read in one of the write ups was like you know yeah you can climb any mountain but then maybe all of a sudden like a rainstorm will come in yep. and if it rains while you're climbing the mountain that means your stamina goes down faster and, and then... you'll slip from the thing or, <laughs> or if there's a lightning storm you'll get hit by lightning. Uh, if you're wearing metal armor, you better put that metal armor away or metal weapons away. No, that's awesome. Out. It's that's, fucking awesome. That is that is a small-ass detail. Exactly. And, like, they start sparking, and the lightning is it's really good. Huh. Other things in the environment that are that are metal will get hit. I was climbing a mountain and saw, like, an old rusted clamp, an old rusted sword <laughs> on the side of the mountain. Uh, and the lightning was, like, struck it three feet away from me. Um and it was amazing. Like, it was really good. Like, moments like that are fucking really cool. Um, and so, like, to prep for it, one, you want to make sure you have the right equipment on. You want to make sure you have, like, the double-knit sweater that is, like, a little tighter on you. Or the, mm-hmm. the, the, another piece of equipment that might help you do a thing you think you might need to do. Swim or climb or whatever. There might be equipment that helps you do things like that in the game. And those are things that don't break. Um, you know, like, like, you know, if you have on <laughs> your, your warm doublet, like, that's the thing that's going to make you warm. Uh-huh. But even that might not be enough if you're climbing a, a really tall mountain where it's really cold and snowy up top. And so that's when you have to start doing the cooking, which, is, again, is stuff that has been seen in preview events, that there's cooking in this game. But it's really – I really enjoy the cooking because of the is, way it works. I was, was going to say, because, like, key to any games that start to incorporate a lot of these elements mm-hmm. where you're collecting a lot of things, you're mining a lot of things, there's survival elements – like if the interface does not make it easy to, to so interact with that could stuff, be like, easier. Okay, it could be easier. One, mm-hmm. there are things I wish I could drop a shield without going into my inventory. You can change equipment. You can change melee ranged and shield weapons and arrow types without going into a menu. Um, you can't change like clothing, but you don't change it that often. And you can't drop a shield or drop a bow. And the reason you do that is because your shield melee weapon ranged weapon slots are limited you can expand them in the game depending on some side stuff um but your basic like uh those weapons there's a limit to them there's a limit to how many clothes you can wear to or how many uh clothes 
armor pieces you can hold. I think there is anyway. Do you have like an item box where they go, or you're always just like... You're just, this is it. You're <clears> capped okay. out. So I think it's just the stuff that's disposable, the weapons, basically. Gotcha. The weapons and shields. Um, and so there are times where I'm like, I just want to drop this almost broken shield and pick up this new one. I have to go into a menu for that. So that's a, that's annoying. But resources, you I, so far I've not hit a limit cap on resources, and I have like three pages of resources at this point. That's materials, things that you pick up from like bacoblin horns or flowers or the, 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 meat. The, the rupee caps in previous Zelda right. games which drive those, me yeah. up. I don't need to go buy a bigger bag for rupees, you stupid game. I know. So <laughs> the way cooking works in this is like it's very – it's modular. So, like, let's say you have... There's no list of meat, I don't think, or, or of cooking things. Thank God. I can just say whatever the fuck I want. Are you still... Like, do you only uh, heal through... Like, are you still, like, slashing a brush in order no. to find hearts? Like, none no, of that's in the game? No. If you, slash, if you slash brush, you might find a critter, like a frog or a grasshopper. But you're and not, put, like, grinding for rupees and hearts and brushing nah, them. I'm pretty rich in this game. Because, like... <laughs> You go mine for ore, and you might get like a sapphire, and then you can uh-huh. sell that for a bunch of money to somebody. Okay. Um, to to yeah, there are a lot. There's like I I don't want to talk about the NPCs in this game, right? Because so I killed that that guy with the big stone. I killed that whole camp with that big stone that hit the explosive barrel, and it was raining. And I walked alongside this river, and then for the first time, I saw other people in this game, and it was just like warm and good, and like it. It's another, like, not to keep dumping on Horizon in this way, but, like, I never saw people in Horizon and got excited about it. Outside of when I got to the first, the big central hub of that game, because it was cool looking. But every time I find my way to a new encampment or pass someone on a a pathway in Breath of the Wild, I'm like, oh, word? Like, what's up with you? How's your day going? Like, let's just walk for a while. Like, let's sit by the fire. Like, tell me your little thing about how this old fort used to be this thing or that thing. And, like... There is something about the aesthetic of this game, uh, the character descript- the character uh, designs, the expressivity on their faces, um, and the music especially. That's just like, oh man, this horse stable is where it is at. Like, I just want to hang out here all day. Like, I just want to be near this place. I want to go. And then that helps it when you go do the busy work of like, all right, let's go make some food. Like, this cool music is playing. There's a dog over there. I'm going to go cook some food. There are dogs down, in this game? There are do- you can feed dogs in this game. I fed a dog an apple Good. and it followed me around for a while. What? Yeah, it's great. Like, that stuff is really, like, again, it's, it's a warm game. It's the game that feels, like, it's so obvious that there is uh, a, a sort of... Uh, a Studio Ghibli love letter in this game. Mm. That's like that's the sort of an experience and and warmth that it wants to hmm. have, and also the sort of terror of like huge machines coming at you through from the through the woods or whatever. That hasn't happened to me yet, but I know it's coming because I've been shot at by like broken down versions of those temple guards. Oh wow! Huh. Um, and like I'm terror like that's gonna happen at some point, and I it's gonna be scary. Um, but the, so the, just to briefly talk about that cooking again, like. It's modular in the sense that, like, let's say you have a piece of raw meat. You could eat it for, like, half a heart, which you shouldn't right. do because that's how you get sick. Don't do it. Not for, in, free, in real life, not in Zelda. <laughs> I was going to say, um, the survival elements of Breath of the Wild are pretty, pretty uh, basic. Right. So, or you could cook it, and you, when you cook it, it might go from half a heart to a full heart. Awesome. Or you could cook it with a spicy pepper. And if you do that, you get, like, spicy grilled steak. And that means that you'll be cold resistant for X amount of time. Hmm. And the more spicy peppers you put in, the more resistance to cold you'll have, or the longer your resistance to cold will be. Or you could add some salt to it too, and then it'll be like spicy salted grilled steak. And that will be a little healthier for you. You'll get some more hearts from it. Um, And so suddenly you're like, okay, 
What I really need is something that gives me all of my health back at once, and that gives me some armor hearts, some like bi- binding of oh, Isaac the silver style. ones. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yellow in this that are just okay. like. Um, yeah, these will go, these are, uh, temporary. temporary hearts. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll cook that with like a special herb and it ends up being a really fun way to like build exactly what you need before you go off into the world. I'm never like, I'm never stuck in a position where like, well, oh, man, I fucking really need some anti-cold hearts or anti-cold stuff. I just, right. if I collect stuff as I see it, cause collecting stuff is pretty quick. I just have what I need when I get back to a camp or whatever, where I'm like, okay, I'll do some cooking now. Um, that said, there are ways that you can find what you need by, based on, like, knowing where stuff is um, in the world. And there's some other stuff that I can't talk about yet that will help you. Like, if you're ever like, oh, man, I really need something to get me warm so I can go up this big mountain, there are eventually ways for you to, like, know where that stuff is. Is uh, are the, rest of, the recipe something you're purchasing, like, experiment? No, like, how exactly do you... experimentation, but again, it's experimentation. So you won't know, like, you'll combine a pepper with a... A raw meat and you're not going to know at first what that so the does. first like three hours i was like i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen if i do this but then it, you just you end up learning it the way you end up learning anything in the world right like like oh yeah the spicy pepper is gonna make something spicy like if i mix it with an apple i'll get spicy greens that might not give me a lot of health back but will give me the warmth i need and so you end up learning the kind of like system for making food if that makes mm. sense, you know. But it's, like, not, but it's not like, hey, like Link has discovered this, and then like then mm. you have a recipe you can go back to. It makes that. It does make a sound that that is like, as you're cooking, it'll either make the sound of like a rock falling through glass, oh, or okay. like a do 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 do, and then like, oh, it's new. It's a new recipe you got. Cool. I haven't found a recipe list, and I might just mm. not know where that is because I vaguely remember someone being like, oh, what you know a recipe X Y Z. I've not found where that is yet. Okay. And I wish that the interface was a little bit easier for cooking. I wish I could just click on a pot and then be like, here's what I want to add. You have to go right. in your inventory and say hold four things and then drop them in the pot. And it does, the, it does the drop into the pot very cleanly. That You never, like, miss or anything like that. But when you just activate any campfire, it's like, oh, do you want to take a nap? Do you want to, like, hang out here until noon or midnight or something? Um, so, yeah, like, there's, there is, there's a lot here to talk about and to get into. But the, I keep coming back to this feeling of wonder I have and the feeling of mystery. And, like, I constantly want to see what's behind the next ridge. I constantly want to know what is between me and my, the, the goal I'm walking towards. It never feels like... When I, there are lots of open world games where once I have a quest, that is the thing I'm doing, and I don't want to give, I don't want to fuck around with anything else. All I want to do in Zelda is fuck around, and not because the end thing is boring, because the side stuff feels that wondrous. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like I, I wish I could talk more about going to towns and meeting people and side side objectives, and even the main story, which has some cool stuff going on in it, and the way it's delivered is interesting. But like, I'm pretty high on this game right now. I, who knows? A week from now, I could be like, first 12 hours were really dope, but then those second 13 were bad or whatever. Right, or it's um, super repetitive after the first 15 hours or But there have been like moments that, yeah. where, where I have used liberal use of the screenshot, the share button on the, the Switch, where it was like, oh, take picture, take picture, take picture. I didn't, I walked into this thing, I didn't know what it was, holy shit. And, and that's a good feeling for me, right? Like, I've always said the more screenshots of a game I take, the higher it must have placed in my heart. Um, and that is, or the buggier it is, one or the, <laughs> or the other. Uh, and so far... Yeah, both can is, be true. Totally. This is totally, totally where I'm at with it right now. Because uh, we probably have to start getting towards wrapping up. But, yeah. like, briefly, like, how do you feel about the Switch, like, separate yeah. from Zelda? Have I, you had... 
the uh, left desync yes, Joy-Con issue that lots I of people have talked didn't about. For like ten, so so for people who don't know, uh, a, a site was like Game Explain on YouTube. I think mm-hmm. made this video that was like, "Hey, there's been talk about this, and here it is: the left Joy-Con will occasionally desync in such a way." Left left Joy-Con. I just picked it up. So this uh, is when you're you're docking the switch. You are just disconnecting the Joy Cons and yes. you're playing it in TV mode. You're playing it in TV mode, and you have it hooked into. You have these either in one in each hand, which I think is actually kind of uh, totally okay to play games, or in the little like controller holder thing. I forgot what the official name is of that thing, but mm-hmm. uh, it, one of those two things. And then you, um, the thing that happens is like as you're using the thumbstick. You, you, <laughs> the signal will get lost or confused between the Joy-Con, which is the controller, and the switch unit, where the input you're putting in for, like, Link moving around, the thumbstick input will, like, get stuck in place or will lag behind what you're actually doing. Um, and, and the tests I've seen have been, like, all about occlusion. So, like, if you have it under a desk or, like, behind your hand or if your thumb is blocking something somewhere, like, that's what ends up stopping the the signal from, from smoothly hmm. going in. Um, and that's happened to me, but not, I think it was weird. Like I played for eight hours or something yesterday using just the joy cons by themselves and didn't hit it once. And then like somewhere around hour nine or 10, it's happened constantly. So I don't know if it's decalibrating or what. Well, I remember on the, during the the early years of the the PlayStation three, before they redesigned the six axis, like one of the, the six axis had tons of Bluetooth connectivity issues and like it would get interference from routers and things like that. So, you know, the hope is that, you know, this issue is now clearly prevalent. Nintendo will find some way to firmware update it between now and then. But there's also the scenario where it's like the six axis and it's possibly a hardware Bluetooth issue and that like hardware that we haven't quite figured out maybe interfering yeah. with it. Like maybe it's your phone, you know, phones, you know, certain iPhones for some reason, like, cause an issue with it. It's, I mean, Nintendo, as far as I know, has not said anything about uh, the issue, but you have to imagine they're, given that, like, this is a huge selling point for the hardware that they're, you know, they've got people looking at it. So I've heard from from sources that dev units didn't have this problem. Um, huh. And I, I, this happens sometimes. Who knows? Hopefully this is something that can be fixed with firmware and not, like, a recall. Um, it's extra frustrating because like it was one of those things where it was like I was basically going to start playing as playing with the pro controller because I sent a pro controller along with the two joy cons or the 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 I guess they're two joy cons left joy con right joy con is one yeah. joy con or is that yeah. two joy cons well no they're two because you know with like games like bomberman like the isn't the okay. whole idea you can like play with it you know True. using just True. one like every button is on fair on okay. the, the joy con um but because I heard about this bug I was like I should play with the joy cons but the I didn't I've never had that problem with the pro controller and I played even more I played a lot with the pro controller too so I played a mix and like it would suck if the very expensive pro controller didn't have this problem I mean uh, but, it's yeah I mean that's the reason I haven't bought a pro controller because I balked at the seventy dollar price tag on like, that thing the the prices the pricing for a lot of this stuff is ridiculous also like understand that the version of the um the whatever this thing is called the dock the controller dock thing. Yeah. Uh, there's also a version of that that they sent that is the one that lets you charge while using it. And, like, there's so many accessories. I hate the accessory prices. I hate the accessorization of this. Normally when I complain about itemization in games, it's like all these weapons are boring. But in this case, it's this shit is too expensive. This is bad. Because, <laughs> right, because what ships with the Switch, you can't charge while right. playing, while right? Play, well, right, you can charge while... Yeah, you can't. You can't charge while playing. 
Correct. Your controls. I mean, I mean, it's conceivably the the Joy Cons are supposed to last for totally like, a, 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 far longer than a in a normal. I have not uh, had a person problem with that playing. yet. Um, but I also have access to the thing that can charge it. Like I'm not using that right this second, but like. Right. I have gone between the two, so and I do. Have I am not going to spend whatever godly amount of money they're that. going to on that charge thing. So I will let you know how it works out. <laughs> you let me know. Um, so yeah, that's other than that. Like there is, it's a very. I have no idea what the final switch like UI looks like at this point. I don't know if that's what I'm seeing right now. I, no, there's, there's a no, there's a big day one a, patch. Exactly. Um, they I did this suspect, with the Wii U as well, where there was like just a tons of things didn't work until. The, that pat like the right. eShop doesn't work right the now. eShop doesn't work, but I don't even know if the is the basic UI and like homepage, so to speak, going to be updated. Who knows? So I, I, Maybe I there's a reason they haven't released um, videos because it's all going to look different. You there know. is a thing that I think is the smartest shit okay. in the world, um, and I don't think that this is embargo. Let me just double check uh-huh. this second embargo preview preview embargo. Da, 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 written, uh huh. No teardowns. I don't think this is a teardown. I don't think this is a. No. There's like the share button is really smart. Um, there's a thing you can do in the share with the share button that is going to do wonders for them, which is you can add text right to images, like snap, not Snapchat style, because it's not. It's like it's not like the thin Snapchat bar of text. It's just like they're just going to make a lot of people are going to make a lot of memes, like a lot. And that is really smart. Like you hit the share button, and one of the options is add text. And it will be a great place to share that. The fucking Meverse. Can't wait. No, there's no Meverse on the. Oh Switch. wait, really? There's no more. Yeah, they're just about... getting rid of the smartest thing they did socially on the Wii U. That's Ugh. bad. Bring yeah. It back. I, so that stuff, like I, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm. Again, I think that this is. Oh, I think that this is. I see this device. I don't know that this is the device. But I think within 10 years, devices like this will be more and more prevalent. Um, I can see these getting smaller. I can see these getting maybe a little bit bigger or like some other sort of connector. Um, but like this is the sort of thing that feel, makes me feel like, oh, right, of course, the thing that something that I can fit, carry in my bag is also going to become my home console unit uh, or a home console unit. I don't know that it's going to replace the Xbox Ones and PS4s of the world, which are dedicated and need to be big and hefty to be able to do huge right. things. But we're getting to a point where like you can make some dope games on phones and on iPads, and I, this feels like a way forward for consoles that we hadn't considered, um, or for something like the Vita, or for something you know those sorts of units. This makes me feel like someone will get it right. If it's not this, then it will be something else. This doesn't feel gimmicky in the way that I thought it would, or the way that the Wii U did. Like the Wii U didn't ever feel like anything other than Nintendo up to its old tricks again. But um, they never came up with a, a right. you know, well, you, the idea was interesting, but the right. function of it they never found outside uh, of Mario decent Maker. applications for. It. Yeah, outside of Mario Maker. Um, and whereas with the Switch, it's like immediately obvious, yeah. like, well, the the function, the use of this mm-hmm. is already Here good. it is. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I, I showed a friend of mine, we went out to the diner yesterday, and I was like, oh, hold up, let me play some Zelda at the diner. Like, <laughs> that's pretty, that's cool, that's yeah, really good. Yeah, dude, I got, that's I really got bacon good. and eggs, and we were like, let's just play some Zelda for a little bit. Oh, and I like that a lot. It was really good. Like, it was, uh, that was a cool, and, and they were super impressed by it to the degree they were like, oh, I thought this would look like a toy. Like I thought, and like yeah. I have the neon controllers, so it does look a little bit like a toy. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure how it will be received in general right now. I think if it keeps having really public boosters like Jimmy Fallon, we will see it do very well. I think we both know that the initial run will have no problem selling out. The question is, where is it a year from now? Um, 
I'm excited to take this to show people that haven't yeah. heard. Like, it's yep. it's a cool-ass party trick. And that's, uh, I think they're counting on it. Like, I think 1-2-Switch, which, which apparently review copies are getting out there now. Uh, I've not had it yet, but that's a game that will That's going to be fun that. to, like, where you can just show yep. up with that Switch tablet, put it up on, on a stand, yep. take off those two Joy-Cons, and have, right. like, that Let's sounds fun. And it's not, it doesn't have to, the thing that's wild is, like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be good the way most games are need to be in order to right. be a successful thing. It just needs to convince people to go spend a few hundred dollars on something that feels cool. And I wish I don't think one two. I think one two switch should have been a pack in a hundred percent because that would have sold them so many <clears throat> so many fucking consoles. Uh, my suspicion is I bet we get a one two switch pack in in the first year or like a cheap one. I bet switch. it's this fall. Like yeah, you know, yeah, like, totally but, Zelda mm. and one two switch or Mario. Ah, oh, $50 for one to switch. It's wild. It's too much. It's too much. I haven't played the other... I only played four games of the 28 or whatever, so still. 50 bucks is just a lot of money. That's a lot. Of uh, money. I'm going di- to dip into the question bucket real quick to see if there's okay. any really dope Zelda questions. I'm gonna, we're going to rapid fire. That's right. People did ask about that. Some yeah. of these are going to be joke questions, like this one from Ashley Malone. In Mario games, it's become normal to play his crazy and goofy brother, Luigi. Sometimes you have to beat the game before you can play as him. My question is, who would you like to play once you beat a Zelda game? For me, I'd play as Tingle. Oh, that's good. I want to... What do they call... The big troll creatures in Zelda. Gorons. Yeah, I want to be a Goron. I want a game. Yeah, I want a game where I can play. I want like uh, you know how they do the Zelda games where it's like oh it's the Triforce Adventures or the mm-hmm. Four Swords Four Swords Adventures Tri Four Goron want, Adventure. Four. I want no. I want one where I get to play as Forgon. Yeah, I want to play Forgon. <laughs> Forgon is. It sounds like an indie game. It's the sequel to Gone Home. <laughs> <laughs> it's the prequel stop, to Gone Home. Stop. Four stop. Gone. I'm not allowing you to continue that joke. No, nope, stop that. No, nope, you're not allowed to keep doing that joke. Thanks, Steve Gaynor. Um, the, and also the rest of the Fulbright team. There's a whole team there. It's not just Steve. <laughs> Shout out to the Fulbright. Uh, I want to play a game where it's like I, could be a, I have to be like a Goron. A, 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 what's the underwater ones? Zoria. Z- Zora. 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 I want to play as a like a little Deku. Oh wait, I'm just describing Majora's Mask, which is a dope game. Yeah, it is. But I want a game like that where it's like, what if you had yeah. to play for you like GTA Five style switch between them? <laughs> um, all right, here's one. This one comes in from uh, David in, in the UK. Uh, Dear Waypoint Crew, thank you for answering my previous question about importing games. Since Austin asked for Zelda questions on his Twitter, here's another. Does Breath of the Wild have a disjointed sense of who Link is as a character? With the removal of the ability mm. to change his name in addition to voice acting, I'd hoped he'd become a more defined character. However, omitting his voice to minor dialogue choices like Skyward Sword and even adding more clothing customization, I fear he might seem like an emptier vessel than before. All the best, David, London, UK. Um, what I'll say is the dialogue options you get let you paint a pretty clear picture of who Link is. And he's like a little snarky. Um, hmm. It's a little bit It's a little bit like Walking Dead or a, another, you know, any of the Telltale games. And that by giving you a set of options, there sort of is a, uh, a set of... There's a, it's almost as if it's painting you a picture of what type of person this could be, right? Like, like you're not from, changing the actual plot, but you're shading the character's personality. Exactly, exactly. And so, like, there are times when Link can be like... Give me that fucking paraglider right now. <laughs> I gotta go do some shit. I, Zelda, come on, you've heard. Uh, or he can be like, so what's the deal with the paraglider? Or what? you know what I mean? And right. uh, both of those paint a pretty consistent image of who that is. I will say that the other thing is, like, he is an amnesiac character. They're doing that plot mm-hmm. line. Yep. Um, and 
the thing that's cool about that, or the thing that, that they managed to do well because of that, is that though he might not remember specific names or faces, like, his reaction still tells you something about his views on the world and, like, these people. Um, right. There are people that he feels warm towards, and you can tell that, even though he doesn't necessarily remember who they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, still, I think he's actually a... He, but he's also still a cipher in some ways. Like, he's still, he is quiet in cutscenes and stuff like that. Um... All right, this one comes in, and, and I already see the word Skyward Sword, so this is going to be for you, Patrick. Okay. Uh, mm, what, yeah. What's up, Sky, point Skyward Sword expert right here. Uh, my name is Jason. Uh, uh, my name is Jason, Vegapedia on the internet. Uh, I want to add a little bit of context before I ask my question on Breath Good. of the Wild. When I was about six years old, back in the mid-'80s, my dad and I would play the original Legend of Zelda on the old-school Nintendo Entertainment System. Back then, something like Zelda 1 felt like it had scope, size, and difficulty of a game that a game like Skyrim does today. I recently found out that my friend is playing Skyward Sword with his four-and-a-half-year-old son. The dad plays the game, son gets sucked into the world, and occasionally helps dad solve puzzles, which makes dad super happy and proud. This sounds really good. Uh, this is the same way that my dad and I would play, but I was a bit older back then than my friend's son is today, so there's more controller passing going on. The original Zelda and Skyward Sword offered more freedom to explore dungeons in whatever order you discovered them, which made the game seem really wide open. With everything I'm hearing about Breath of the Wild, it eclipses Skyrim, my barometer for RPG scope these days, and size, scope, and difficulty, etc. My fear is that it might be too big, too hard, and maybe caters to a slightly older demo possibly alienating the youngest minds from experiencing the whole game and turning off parents that play games whose valuable time is always very limited um do you think that the newly expanded open world nature of the game will allow more accidental discovery of what the world map has to offer or could it leave younger players and parents scratching their heads and turned off from experiencing the whole game thoughts love the site and podcast um is that how you felt about did you feel like skyward sword had that same sort of feeling of openness and scope that that no i felt like skyward sword was just like big for the sake of being big mm. as opposed to being filled with a lot of cool like, stuff cool stuff to do you were supposed to just give me to the dungeon give me the yeah. dungeon yeah. Uh, I mean I guess you know, one way I would reframe this question is like how much can you just mainline this game and right. like, ignore what's happening around you you could I guess I don't know there's so much stuff between places like you so like earlier I had said there's the, the kind of structure of like go to these four shrines but there's stuff in the middle is the structure yeah. of the game it just kind of zooms out and spreads those four things out to where it's like oh there's one in each of the four corners so to speak um, that is true and there's so much stuff between those spaces and there's no way to fast travel to them before you've already been there um, you can go to let me tell you this really quick mm -hmm. you can go climb a tower and then it adds the, the area to the map and then wow. you can fast travel to the tower. You can fast That's travel to other stuff, too. I know. I can't believe I like a game with Innovators. towers in it in 2017. Right. Well, like, the Nintendo, right? Like, half the time what Nintendo is trying to do is, is like, improve on stuff that already exists or put their spin on it. And the other time, the other half is them doing something weird and different. This is very and, and, I will say, uh, to Horizon's credit, uh, they also do the tower thing, but it's fucking it's, cool, it's cool as hell you have to you have to climb the equivalent of a robotic brontosaurus it's great and jam a spear in its head in order to to unlock the the map around you that part's pretty good i it's never great. got i never got tired of that and there are only like five of those too yeah which is it's yeah smart. it's very it's good it, like yeah like uh, that that's what was critical about why it was remained interesting was because right. the it was a puzzle to figure out how to get onto the creature yeah. and then you didn't have to do it many times so you never got bored of the exactly. actual act um, and so what I'll say here is, like, the thing that, that they're doing with the towers in this is 
the areas around the towers have been different each time, so it's, all, it's it can be a puzzle of how to get up there to begin with, mm. and then you get there and maybe it has barbed spikes on it, or maybe it's guarded by bacoblins, or like the area around it is guarded by bacoblins or something. So like there, there are definitely some challenges built into it in a really smart way um, that, that make each one of them fun so far. It's never just like, oh, I'm at the tower, go, which would... But who knows? Maybe seven towers from now, I'll be like, I'm sick of these fucking towers. <laughs> um, but I will say, the thing that I think would make this a cool game to play with, with a kid is that like, the thing I did as a kid and still do as a player, but maybe a little more thoughtfully, is I go like, ooh, can I do blank? And right. you often can in this. Um, hmm. You know, after we played Dungeon World, I talked to our the GM, Adam Coble, and I said, man, that was a wild that was a wild game we ran, right? Like, the group that we played with was doing stuff I never anticipated any group doing. And he's like, yeah, but I really enjoyed that because normally when people play games for the first time, and he's talking about tabletop role-playing games, um, but I think this is true for most games, they ask questions. They say, can I do blank? And the GM, or to broaden the scope out more, the game says no. Like, no, you can't do that. Uh, and he said the thing he wanted, he doesn't get a chance to play with people for the first time ever very often. And so when he does, right. he wants to say yes. And this is a game that says yes. Um, it says, like, yeah, you could totally climb this ancient ruin if you figure it out. And if you do, I'm going to reward you with a cool bow, um, which right from the gate lets you know that, like, if you... Lots of games let you point at mountains and then go to them. Mm -hmm. This one, when I point at that mountain, I don't just go there, I find something. And that finding something could be a weird puzzle to solve to get something that could help me expand my inventory, or it could be a fight against a unique enemy who might drop a special resource... And in that way, it feels like it's it figured out what Dragon's Dogma wanted to do, and then like pushes it a little bit further. Dropping all the hits, Patrick. Dropping them. Far Cry Two, Dragon's Dogma. I like this game. I'm just gonna. Be you can only say that once me. per embargo. You can also, only say right. I like only, this game once. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Don't say you uh, like the game twice. Uh, another couple quick ones. There's, you know, okay. it's, it's I, I haven't podcasted in like a week and a half. I need to get. That's this true. Yeah, we got. Just, yeah. Which game, this comes in from, from Jinoru, which game in the Zelda series have you derived the most meaning from? Also, how much tingle is enough tingle? Never enough tingle. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, the, that's the correct answer. Uh, Majora's Mask I, is the one that has the most thematic resonance, the one that is actually I've gotten more out of as I've, like, I played yeah. Majora's Mask. Um, you know, it's, not, it's, it's a game about death um, and, uh, and, 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 like, cycles and, 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 and things like that. Yeah. And I never, I didn't pick up on any of that when I played it when I was, how whatever whatever old when I was a uh, a kid, but then replaying it as an adult, like the game is like exceptionally dark and yeah. like has like very you know direct commentary on on some issues that have like a lot of resonance for me yeah. as as an adult that um, I just didn't pick up on when I was a kid. So that's the game that uh, continues to with I, yeah I can well I, I stuck with me and I've continued to get more out of it um, as I've gotten older and those themes have. Uh, those th the themes of death didn't mean anything when you're, you know, you're eight. Um, but mean it means something quite different when you're 32. Right. Totally. Uh, for me, it's probably Ocarina again for what I said before, which is that like, it was one of those games that shook what I expected from from my games and like, from open world games or from there. You know, it introduced this notion of like, oh wow, I can get on this horse and just go around in circles and that feels good. Um, which is also like why Mario 64 worked. It was like, oh, it just feels good to move Mario around and jump and, and stuff. But like, there was something different about that for me doing that in a world with other NPCs in it. Like, 
versus doing it in a world of just like jumping on Goomba's heads, which was really fun. But like, I, I really wanted a world with people and story and, and that game definitely shifted my expectations um, in terms of what, how a game with a story could feel at the same time. Like it wasn't just point and click adventure games. It wasn't just isometric RPGs. Like you could play this thing that had direct action where the action was fun and compelling, um, but was also a world that I wanted to learn more about. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just, maybe this will be the last one because this is, this is interesting. Um, this comes in from, from Ryan who also sends a photo of his dog who is on top of a little mountain of dirt. It's really cute. Um, I have a really strong memory of how exciting Ocarina of Time was for me when I got it. This probably isn't accurate, but I kind of remember it as being my first open world or make your own fun kind of game, which we kind of spoke to and against before. Um, I remember how exciting it was to first walk out into Hyrule Field. The music that plays when you get out there still hits just right. It makes me feel excited for the start of a new day. But mostly, uh, pause real quick. The music in Breath of the Wild is dope. Like, it's a little, oh, it's so good. The fight, mmm, mmm. <laughs> Right back to Ryan's. But mostly, I remember the weird little adventures I would create for myself. I would go buy milk from the ranch and other supplies as though preparing for a long journey. I would set goals for myself, simple things like walk the path to Death Mountain and then set out on the trail. I recall taking my time so that it felt like the trip would actually take a few in-game days. I think Zelda has hmm. always been about exploration for me. So Breath of the Wild looks really exciting and I really and really feels like a Zelda game to me. I'm curious, and curious is in bold as if it's a Zelda character talking to let you know that curiosity <laughs> is the thing that's most important in this conversation. I'm curious. What makes a Zelda game a Zelda game for you? Which is interesting. Huh. Yeah, I mean, exploration. If I had to take, like, one word yeah. and just be, like, more extraordinarily than broad. More than, like, dungeons. Yeah, dungeons, like, puzzles. Like, those are, you know, I, I feel like this is similar to that conversation we've been having about, you know, ongoing to time to find what a, a Souls-like is and... Uh, you know, like if Souls like is is mystery, then like Zelda for me is exploration, and then like, the, you know, the tentacles and kind of like come out from there. But I I think you could take dungeons out of Zelda and still make a Zelda game. You know, if right. you know, I don't think that is necessarily a defining characteristic of what I enjoy. Like I enjoy the puzzles within those dungeons, but I don't know if like a dungeon structure is inherent to a Zelda game yeah. for me. Like, because that was part of the reason Majora's Mask was so appealing, was that, yes, it had dungeons, but it upended the traditional Zelda structure in so many other ways that it was still about exploration, but right. it was, like, exploration in a different sense. Totally. Um, and so, like, that's key to me, is just that sense of, yeah, I guess, curiosity and exploration and being rewarded for it. Yeah, well, even the the thing that's cool about it is, like, even boss fights, even dungeons are still about exploration, right? Like, yeah. It's about like, okay, what's this boss's pattern? What's it do? How do yeah, I what's the deal trick? with it? Yeah, totally. And and so even if that trick is all about very like precise combat or bow shooting or hook shotting, that's still a sort of exploration. So I can kind of see that. Though I worry always that finding some an answer like that might be too broad in such a way that like right. you end up that can apply to a bunch of games that yeah. maybe exploration isn't core for or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's I, I mean a that, big like a big I mean like. I guess yeah. like a big spaces, like right, like big spaces to explore, scope and it's all scale, yeah, yeah, scope. Like I mean, you like the maps of various Zelda games are often impl- like the ones that I didn't care for are the ones where I don't remember where mm. things are. Like I don't remember anything about Skyward Sword. Like I mean, I gave that game right. f- you know four stars. At Jump, I'm like it, I enjoy, I enjoyed it as a game. I enjoyed it less in the sort of like like broader Zelda canon. If you were to right. hold it up to those uh, to those games or think of it in, in that way, but. 
you know, like, yeah, like the moment he talks about, or maybe that was a previous letter about uh-huh. the, I think we all talk about the moment where you step into Hyrule Field for the yeah. first time in Ocarina of Time. Like, that is something I'll never forget and is something that still, like, gives me chills, even though it looks archaic aesthetically um, in 2017. But, um, yeah, I don't know, like, the, the, huh. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just don't think dungeons are necessarily specific, but there's probably something that is a little more uh, concrete than just exploration. But I don't know. Yeah, I think that's still probably... I, I'm I'm going to co-sign that for now. We'll think about it later. Um, yeah. I like thinking about games in these terms. I, I enjoy like, being too. forced to actually like step back and define it in a way that it, it, I stumble through it because I've never thought about them totally. in that way. The thing that I like to do is do that and then also remind myself that any final definition or term we come up with is going to be reductive and will never be good enough in some way. Well, the, the journey to yes. coming up with an explanation is more interesting than the answer, right? Like, that's... I felt that way when... Whenever doing the uh, the Giant Bomb Game of the Year stuff. Like, yeah. I cared less about the final list as much as the journey of getting to that final list was interesting. And so, like, when totally. we talk about, like, defining a Souls-like or defining a Zelda, like the conversation about like whatever one comes to the table with and what they bring to it and what they think is interesting and how we explore that is more interesting than I think the characteristic we end up with. Right. Totally. Well, that speaks to me to the thing I was saying before about like not knowing if open world fatigue is really a thing and that maybe those are just other, because like the thing that I've realized after playing these things, like open world, just it, we shouldn't think about that term as a genre anymore. Like, it's the opposite thing of the Souls-like conversation we've had, which is that, like, we've been talking about the Soul... We've been talking about Souls clones or Souls-likes or whatever. Uh, but on the other end, we've been talking about open-world games. Or, like, I think for a long time people talked about GTA clones and then eventually realized, like, well, there's actually a bunch of games that have big open worlds. We're just going to call those all open-world games. And we're going to put yeah. GTA Five and Skyrim and The Witcher and, you know, uh, Wind Waker and anything with an open world in the same category or, like, it's overlaps in that same category. And, like, the way that Watch Dogs 2, Horizon, Mafia 3, and Breath of the Wild all use their open world is so dramatically different, like, in terms of pacing, in terms of how missions are given to you, in terms of traveling from place to place, in terms of, like... Or whether it's just, like, an aesthetic thing for, like, to to, to mask going from objective to objective, or if the world itself is something you're supposed to meaningfully interact with. And so, like, I get why we we are going to continue talking about open world games. Me, like, putting a banner in the ground is going to stop us from it. I'm not trying to do that. This isn't me saying I'm not going to stop, I'm going to stop talking about open world games in general. But it is a reminder, it has been a reminder for me that the language that we use is never fully, does not sync up completely to... Uh, a specific real concept in the world that it's always going to be lacking a little bit. Not to get all like semiotics 101, but like there's always <laughs> a disconnect between the 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 sign and the signifier. There's always going to be something or the signified. There's always going to be a little bit of a, of a dis, uh, detachment there. Um, and and the thing that's cool about that is that we get to then figure out what you want from an open world game or what sort of games with open worlds appeal to you. And then find those. For me, it's obviously things like Dragon's Dogma. It's obviously things like Far Cry, the Far Cry series. It's obviously things where the world exists as a, as a sandbox and a playground for me to experiment and for me to uncover cool stuff about the world. And for other players, it's going to be just a setting for discrete um, missions and like hand-scripted stuff. I think Watch Dogs 2 did that super well this year or last year where like you basically just went from place to place and then did a mission in that place. Uh, and, and I think that that worked really well. Mafia, I think, did that pretty well, too, or hit some weird middle ground there. So, I don't know, like, I like talking about the stuff like you because it helps me 
like chip away at my understanding of something. I, I'm never looking to say like this is the one true. No one should like fucking Horizon. Anybody who likes Horizon is bad at games. <laughs> like no, fuck off, chill. Like I just don't like it, and as much as most people, and that's okay. It just means I get to play other games that I like just as much or more. You know, so so that's. I think that might do it for us. This, this yeah, week. this is a long. This is a long one. This was a long one, but Zelda. So and I'm yeah. gonna have more to talk about Zelda once that embargo is up. I don't. I don't. I don't know when the full embargo is up because there's too many. I mean, at le- you know, at least you know we'll be doing stuff when uh, you know that machine comes out next week. That's you know, Danielle will we'll be do... getting one. Exactly. I'll be getting one. Yep. Provided Target, please March ship it on. Second. Please, please, please show up on Friday. Target, come on, Target. That would be good. Is I wish I'd ordered it from Amazon, but I didn't get it. Now I got to rely on Target. You got to. Mm, uh, good luck. I know. I yeah. I it's, might... it's 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 infuriating because it's a Friday. It'd be one thing if, like, oh, this machine is coming out on a Monday. Right. Ah, you missed the shipment. Yeah. It's coming on Tuesday. It's like, you missed Friday. You fucked till you Monday. Fucked. <laughs> you fucked. You fucked. Hey, you missed Friday. You fucked. What are you going to do that weekend? You're just going to be miserable as everyone else uses the new shit. I am. I'm going to walk switch. away. Well, I guess I'll just go play with my child. <laughs> I'll do you. Here's what I'll do, Patrick. Because it'll be out on that Friday. Uh-huh. Um if you don't have it, what I'll do is every tweet I make will just be a share function tweet <laughs> from the Switch with whatever I want to say as just text over a shared picture from the Switch. Thank you. I You're appreciate welcome. That. That's just for, that's for you. So you can get a I, taste. You know? Just, you know, a little taste. It's good. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us this week on Waypoint Radio. Thank you for welcoming me home from Los Angeles and, and my vacation. I'm glad to be back. I will see all of you on Monday. Make sure to go listen to the, the person who does our, our theme music, Bowen. You can find out info on him at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can read all the stuff that we do at waypoint.vice.com, digital, digitalpyramids.com, bastionfucks.com. Uh, big dot nope new dot donk dot city big donk city different place oh it's big donk it's city got its own problems <laughs> business inside of new donk city uh, uh where else what else can you find me on twitter at austin underscore walker patrick you can find patrick at patrick klepik yep that's good i'm just i'm thinking about those big donks twitter.com slash waypoint facebook.com slash waypoint vice youtube.com slash waypoint vice Find us on iTunes and give us a rating. That's not a thing I, I don't normally say, like, hey, hey, remember, word of mouth, etc. But hey, word of mouth, etc. Give us a rating on iTunes. It would be it would help us a lot. It's it's nice to get those ratings and see. No, but like seriously, like like in order for yeah. new people to listen to it, like the reviews are like the way that iTunes yep. uh, promotes and things like that. So like if like just you know, if you get a five seconds, you don't have to write a review. Just you just go in and stars. star it. That would that uh, stars. three stars is fine. It's whatever. Mm, I'll take the stars. I think we're at least a four. Eh, there's no half stars, are there? No. It's because three and a half stars we could settle for. <laughs> I could settle for three and a half stars. I'm not, I'm not asking for much. I feel like three and a half stars today, so that, you know, that, I, I would you accept it. I feel like four stars today. That's not five. Well, get, don't get me wrong. You've got, you've got Zelda. You get the extra I half. I got Zelda. <laughs> I just got back from a vacation where it was rainy the whole time. I'm, you know, four stars. If it had been sunny in L.A. instead of pouring for four days for <sighs> a week straight, I would be a five star. But, mm. you know. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us on Monday for another edition of Waypoint Radio. Peace. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.